this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath the first round of the french presidential elections got over last sunday and two candidates president emmanuel macron and leader of the far right national rally marine le pen emerged as the two leaders with the highest tally of votes while macron won the first round with 27.8% of the votes le pen secured 23.2% while the leftist politician jean luc melanchon finished a close third with 22% of the votes interestingly all the three candidates have bettered their first round performance from 2017 where macron had received 24% Le Pen had 21.3% and Melanchon had 19.6%. The presidential runoff which is scheduled for April 24th will decide whether Macron gets a second term as president or Le Pen manages to unseat him an outcome that many believe could be deeply unsettling for Europe. So as things stand today what do the chances look like for either of these two candidates? all those who did not vote for either macron or le pen in the first round who will they support in the second round and what are the issues that hold the key to these elections and what are the possible implications for europe in case of either outcome if macron gets reelected or if le pen manages to win to help us decode these various questions and other issues related to the french presidential elections we have with us professor vaidu naravne She is professor of journalism and media studies at Ashoka University and currently she is a visiting faculty at Sciences Po in France. Professor Naravne thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh Professor Naravne to start with where the results of the first round of voting that took place last Sunday along expected lines or was Macron expected to do better? No actually it was along expected lines but what the surprise was it didn't lie with macron as much as it lay with firstly the total decimation of the socialist candidate who polled less than 2% secondly the amount of votes that the far right candidates got because if you total up marine le pen who's now in the second round and the other major candidate who had presented himself very very misogynistic clearly anti-islamic anti-immigrant platform uh was Eric Zemmour and the two of them if you put the entire far right candidate votes together they come up to almost 45% and th- that is a real first in french politics Right so uh, you're saying that the far right candidates together uh, got about 45% of the votes in this round now this campaign phase of these elections got uh, majorly disrupted by the Ukraine war and i was just wondering has the war somehow queered the pitch for these polls in terms of sidelining core domestic issues for example we know that there has been a lot of controversy over the rise in retirement age which macron has been planning to do from 62 to 65 Uh, then there are the fuel prices which have risen by almost 34% in a, the span of one year uh, but now the ukraine war seems to have sort of caught up everybody's attention and macron has been uh, busy doing a lot of diplomatic work uh, mediation and so on so 
if in case you think the, the war has had a big impact, which candidate do you think has benefited or lost from it? Look, if you're uh, talking specifically of the war, evidently that has benefited Macron because it has given him, increased his presidential air. It gives him a platform where he can say, look, I've done my best and I am a big player on the world stage. However, what Marine Le Pen did very cleverly was that she started concentrating on domestic issues. And Macron just didn't have the time uh, to, to campaign and to rally. He just did four major campaign stops, and that's all. And Marine Le Pen went from city to city, small town to small town, saying, I understand you. These are domestic issues, promising people uh, handouts when she gets elected, if she gets elected, lowering taxes, increasing salaries, keeping the, uh, reducing the retirement age to 60. So these are fairly difficult promises to hold, but, uh, you know, she, she seems to have attracted uh, a lot more people to her than Macron did in that sense. Right. So Macron and uh, Le Pen, who are now going to be facing off on April 24th, together in the first round, they managed to get about 51% of the votes, uh, which means that almost half of the voters uh, did not vote for them and, and they will have to decide who they will side with for the runoff. So, which means that these two candidates will have to then uh, figure out a strategy to woo those uh, voters who did not vote for them, which is going to make a difference because their core voters, of course, will uh, stay with them. So, what, in your view, could be the likely strategy or perhaps should be their strategy uh, for winning these non-base voters for Macron and for Le Pen for the runoff? Yes, in fact, Macron has understood fully well that this is his election to lose. Everything is not in hand. It's not like the last time when uh, people came out and said, we have to bar the route to the extreme right and therefore let us all vote for the Republican candidate. This time there are many, many more far-right voters who find Marine Le Pen's makeover completely credible. She has whitewashed the image of the extreme right and made it more acceptable. She's talking about human issues and she's really reduced her rhetoric, changed it from being a shrill, anti-Islamic, anti-Jewish, anti-immigrant rhetoric, anti-Islam rhetoric to saying, look, I want the betterment of everyone and we are all French and uh, that kind of thing. So she softened her image greatly. She succeeded with that. And Macron's first reaction was to say, I need a larger coalition. We need to do things differently. And I suspect that between now and uh, the 24th, he is going to hold separate meetings with Jean-Luc Mélenchon, whose 22% will make the big difference because he's almost emerged as a kingmaker. And although he said, do not vote Marine Le Pen, he did not say, please vote Macron. And we must try and find out what these Macron or what these Mélenchonist voters are going to do. Much will depend on what they do. Because we know that the extreme right 
is very supportive of their candidate. Uh, but we don't know what the extreme left is going to do. Most likely, they will vote for Macron. But the polls are today saying that it'll be a very close victory for Macron. Far from the 66% he got the last time, they're predicting a 53 for Macron, 47 for Le Pen, which is very, very close. Right. So speaking of Mélenchon uh, and his 22% that he got in the first turn, in fact, I was going to ask you about it. In his concession speech, he said, don't vote for Le Pen, but he did not endorse uh, Macron. Why do you think he stopped short of that, given that, I mean, it stands to reason that is him, he himself and as well as his entire uh, support base would not want to see anyone but Le Pen uh, losing, as in he, they would want Le Pen to be kept out of the presidency. So why did he not ask them to support? Because they could also, in this case, abstain or not vote at all. Yes, I think this is a way of putting pressure on Macron and extracting certain promises from him. For instance, Mélenchon has been insisting on a basic universal income for everyone. So that, uh, you know, a sort of cost of living income where people can survive. Today, the basic uh, salary or the basic state handout, the dole which is given to people who are unemployed, is not a living wage. So he would like to give people a living wage and then help them find employment and things like that. He would like to extract a few promises because Mélenchon is really completely against the kind of free market reforms that Macron has in mind. Increasing the retirement age, cutting back on benefits, cutting back on, um, on public health issues and, and uh, reforms of that kind, which he thinks cost the exchequer too much money. So I think this is one, of course, Macron will ultimately probably say, tell his voters, go and vote for Macron. He has no choice and his voters have no choice. But he doesn't want to spell it out right yet. Right. And what about the other uh, candidates and their supporters? You, you spoke briefly about the socialists. And then, of course, there is also uh, the Green Party, uh, which, I mean, I find it really curious that in, say, Germany and a few other EU nations, the Greens have done well. But in France, they sort of just continue to languish uh, at the bottom with, I think, maybe 4 or 5% of the votes. And in Europe, especially, we keep finding that they are very, very concerned about climate change and climate crisis. What explains the underperformance of the Greens in France? You know, I think the Greens had their moment two presidentials ago when their candidate uh, did reasonably well. And by reasonably well, I mean like 12 to 14%. But you see, the thing is, France is one of the biggest nuclear powers in the world. They have 58 nuclear reactors. And there is no way that France is going to give up on nuclear. So there isn't, uh, the French like their nuclear reactors. They say that it has given them clean energy. It's given them no energy problems, no issues the way Germany is facing because they have decided to eschew the nuclear option. So that takes a little bit the wind out of the sails uh, of the uh, ecologist movement here. And I think the French say that we'd like to lead our lives 
in an ecological manner. Macron has also promised the transition uh, towards greener energies and towards uh, reducing fossil fuels, etc. So they say, why do we really need a green candidate when our other candidates who are also offering other things are offering green solutions as well? Right. So in France, the green solutions uh, automatically includes the nuclear option as it, as it were. Yes, I mean, the French certainly don't want to give up their nuclear option. Uh, and they had said that they were going to phase out a couple of very aging nuclear reactors, which are now over 40 years old, but they have not done that. Reactors like Fessenheim are still uh, kept in service, and they want to take a look at all the other reactors, bring them up to scratch, improve them, but they're not going to close down reactors. Uh, and that has pretty widespread support across French society. Right. Now, coming back to the uh, to the question of how the votes might shift uh, from non-Macron or non-Le Pen voters to either of these two candidates, one of the uh, one of the points which have come up time and again in different uh, reports is that there may be some kind of ideological overlap, however, however unlikely it might seem, uh, between the supporters of the leftist Mélenchon and the far-right Le Pen, because uh, both of them are away from the mainstream liberal order, the, the, the new liberal economics that Macron seems to be pursuing. Uh, is this a likely uh, proposition in your view? Because I think they both are to some extent anti-EU uh, and so on. Is that, is that a correct uh, possibility? Yes, your analysis is absolutely spot on. Because, you know, there is a part of the underclass, in a sense, People who were part of the Gilets Jaunes movement, for instance, you know, the yellow vests who really made uh, Macron's life pretty miserable and he held up normal life in France by blocking roads. And that uh, agitation went on for more than one year. So those disgruntled elements remain. And there are as many of those disgruntled elements to the right as they are to the left. And it's a question of a kind of D-class a uh, declassing situation where they feel that they have been downclassed and uh, they really resent Macron because of that. They feel that their um, purchasing power has gone down and Marine Le Pen has really hammered home the message of I will improve your purchasing power, I will give you tax breaks, I will give you handouts and quite a few of these, uh, the People who belong, who are working people, but who cannot make two ends meet despite working because they're on very low paid jobs. And they find this kind of discourse very seductive. And the left wing voters from that category are likely to cross over to Marine Le Pen, which is why this particular election is not completely in Macron's hands yet. Right. So, uh, is Macron likely to change his approach uh, to campaign uh, for the second one? Because in the first one, we know that he hardly campaigned uh, because of uh, this entire uh, uh, diplomatic uh, rushing around that he had to do for the addressing the Ukraine uh, war question in Europe. Now, the Ukraine war is not going away before April 24th. So, is he again going to be busy with those things? Or is he, like as somebody put it, is he going to be a candidate or continue to be the president? No, I think he's realized that he really has to campaign. And he understood 
he's no fool. He right from the day that he sort of spoke for the first time in public, the day on last Sunday when the first round took place, he said, "I need a wider coalition." And now he's going to hit the road. I think he was keeping his campaigning powder dry because he knew that he was going to score pretty well in the first round. In fact, he has increased his uh, last uh, electoral total and he's done better, just the way Marine Le Pen has done better this time. So they're the two clear candidates up front. But now he's going to push. And this time, I think, during these two weeks of campaigning, he is going to talk about those cost of living issues. He's going to try and cut the ground from under Marine Le Pen's feet because he already has now that presidential aura. He's already recognized as a leader within Europe. He doesn't have to prove anything there. And he's now going to push for those voters who might be tempted by going towards Marine Le Pen. Right. No, just stepping back from the electoral uh, nitty-gritty of what's happening right now and over the next couple of weeks, in the, in the broader uh, picture sense, in many democracies uh, right now, and not just in Europe, but even beyond Europe, uh, we have seen political polarization taking place uh, and elections are determined by the kind of polarization which happens. And in many cases, in, in earlier it used to be a polarization between the left and the right wing. But now the polarization seems to be happening between the mainstream liberal order, the liberal mainstream culture versus the illiberal nationalist kind of an axis, which as we have seen, we have seen it happening in India, we have seen it happening in Hungary most recently uh, with the victory of Orban. So how is this phenomenon playing out in France, which at least in the electoral context, if you go by the vote shares, 27, 22, 23, seem to be sort of equally divided between the liberal mainstream, the nationalists, represented by Le Pen and the left wing of Mélenchon. Yes, I mean, this is really quite clear. Uh, I think Macron's worry is that he may not be able to hold the center together. And people used to say earlier on that France did not have a centrist party ever. It was either the conservative right or the um, communists who were at one stage very powerful. And then uh, there was a merger of more or less of the communists and the socialists, the social democrats. But they were clearly on the left. What you now find is that the socialist party has been blown to smithereens. You know, until before Macron was elected, France had a socialist president. And Mitterrand, who was their socialist president, reigned for 14 years. So uh, France has had three very strong socialist presidents. And what has suddenly gone wrong with the Socialist Party? Because uh, Macron has been able to draw all the centrist forces towards him and create a kind of liberal centrist uh, discourse, a liberal centrist narrative. But then the other, as you say, illiberal, anti-immigrant, anti-European, polarizing, anti-religious, because there is a lot of Islamophobia in France today, that has, you know, become the kind of opposition. So there's a new kind of polarization taking place. And uh, for France, it would be a very dangerous thing if the extreme right came to power 
because France has seen the extreme right before and it has led to some terrible things. Right. So you're, you're saying that it would be a, a terrible thing if the extreme right were to come to power. So can you unpack that a little bit? Like what would happen? What what would a win for Le Pen mean for, say, first France? Uh, what would it mean for Europe? Uh, NATO, because uh, we know that Le Pen has been very, very sympathetic to Putin in the past. And even recently, she has been uh, against some of the sanctions which the rest of Europe has been uh, pushing for. So NATO and, of course, finally, India. Well, yes, because uh, if we unpack Marine Le Pen's real program, not what she has been promising voters during this particular campaign, because she said, I'll lower the taxes, I'll increase salaries, and um, I will take, I will make France great again. It's more or less that kind of discourse. But if we look at it, she says all the jobs are going to be reserved for the French. And who does she describe as French? I mean, there are now second generation, third generation immigrants who are in France. A lot of them come from the northern African regions like uh, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, some from Libya, lots from Mali, uh, from France's former colonies. And there are on an average at least 6 million people who the extreme right does not consider to be wholly French. She's going to absolutely say no more hijab even on the streets. If you want to cover your head, you do it at home, but you don't come and do it on the streets. So there is going to be a promotion of what she calls French values of Catholicism. Uh, she is likely to promote things in school. I mean, it is in many ways dangerous for the immigrant community in this country. And there is going to be a clear polarization there. And lots of elements in the extreme right are extremely anti-Semitic. There is a very strong anti-Jewish feeling, which is for the moment obscured because they cannot afford to show it since France has the largest concentration of Jews in any country in Europe, just the way France has the largest concentration of Muslims anywhere in Europe. And that creates problems for the National Front. And that is what a lot of people are worried about. So um, some conservative right-wing people will go to Macron, but quite a few conservative right-wing people who actually are very deeply anti-immigrant will go to Marine Le Pen. And this could upset uh, France's standing within the European Union because France is one of the main countries with Germany it really is the motor of the European Union. And it would, uh, I don't know what could happen to a European Union with a France which would then be sympathetic to the policies which have been adopted by Orban or which have been adopted by the Poles uh, or the Slovaks or countries like that. Uh, it's going to change the dynamic within Europe a great deal. Right. And there have also been concerns that Le Pen win would uh, possibly put the NATO uh, alliance against Russia, which has been at the forefront supplying arms and other kinds of assistance to Ukraine, 
uh, that might also come uh, develop some cracks. Uh, is that a, a sort of a valid concern or is it an overblown worry? No, that I think is an overblown worry because I don't think Marine Le Pen would really dare to do that. There is such a consensus across Europe that what Russia is doing uh, in Ukraine is reprehensible. And uh, Marine Le Pen has come out and said, oh, this is not the Putin I knew once. So she she has come out and denounced the invasion of Ukraine. And uh, she would find it very, very difficult to go against uh, that public opinion. You know, uh, Eric Zemmour, who was running quite high in the polls, he had reached 16% at one stage and he came down 7% because of his stand on Russia quite a lot of the time. And people found him very aggressive and not nice at all because the sympathy today does lie with all the Ukrainian refugees which are, who are flooding into Europe. And that sympathy has been created because, as somebody said, oh, these are not refugees, these are people like us. Because they're not, they're white, they're Caucasian, they have the same religion, so they belong to the Judeo-Christian tradition. And therefore, the assimilation of these people is going to be much easier than the assimilation of Syrians, say, who the Poles refuse to allow to come into their countries by erecting barbed wire fences. It's the same Poles who are welcoming uh, a million refugees from Ukraine. So there is a mindset, which is a very racist mindset. Marine Le Pen would be part of that mindset. Right. Uh, we are running out of uh, time, Professor Naravne. So one final question. Would you like to stick your neck out and make a prediction for April 24th? I think ultimately Macron will carry the day. But I think he will carry the day with a far reduced majority. And that should make him careful about how he handles people who feel that they have lost status, they have lost their standards of living. It is that underclass which would be his undoing if there is an upset. And he has been arrogant in the past. He has been contemptuous of people who are at the low end of the earnings spectrum or the low end of the social spectrum. And he has to be able to take those people along. It's very, very important that he tries to build a cohesive France again, because France is today a deeply fragmented society. Right. I think the next uh, 10 days uh, or so will sort of uh, give us more clues on how this election is going to pan out. And you're absolutely right. I think he has his task cut out in terms of reaching out to the underclasses, the working classes, who are not particularly happy with the way uh, the economy has treated them so far under Macron. And I think uh, it's time for us to wind up uh, for this episode and hopefully we'll come back and revisit the elections once the results are out. Thank you so much, Professor Naravne, for sharing your thoughts and insights on these elections. Uh, pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.